Well, do keep your Bibles open there at Luke 12, and I'm going to lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you that your word gives life. It gives life to us, new life through your son, the Lord Jesus, and continues to transform us in this life as we look forward to the life to come. Continue to do that great work in us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, now, many of you know will know that uh, companies will have a regular shareholders meeting, uh, and I want you to imagine back. Some of you are going to have to imagine this. Others of you were around. It's the late 1980s, and a man now famous stands at the microphone at a meeting of shareholders for a particular company, whose next words have come to signify that decade, if not many others before and after. And he says, the point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all its forms, greed for life, greed for money, for love and knowledge has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed you mark my words, will not only save this company, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Now, no one can say now, can they, that I don't offer alternative views in our Bible talks? It turns out those words weren't spoken by a real person, but by actor Michael Douglas. I, you can see the... Uh, he was playing a character called Gordon Gecko in the movie Wall Street, a, a, a movie which is really captured and epitomised uh, by those words. But the thing that struck me as, as these words came to my mind in preparation was that they were written and recorded uh, in such a way that the movie came out in December 1987. And you know how movies take a long time to prepare that sort of thing. And even as the people who wrote this and put it together uh, probably were intending to hold it up as a mirror so people might see themselves and their world more clearly, astonishingly, and with prophetic irony, after, you know, as I said, movies take a long time to make, a couple of years, this came out in the end only two months after the October 1987 Black Monday stock market crash which plunged the US and the rest of the world into a global recession. Now, as disciples of Jesus passing through this life and looking forward to the fullness of life to come, uh, we are faced with an incredible challenge because where we live now in this life, we are not immune. Greed, uh, along with its, its brother or sister, materialism, that what you see is all there is, that life is just atoms and nothing else, they are the air we breathe in our world. They're the lifeblood of our daily lives. They come to us with our mother's milk. Uh, too many metaphors? <laughs> too over the top? I'm sure Gordon Gecko's speech was meant to be ironic, but as it is, it describes a condition. Uh, where we're not just talking about the people who end up on the Forbes top 500 rich list, we're talking about us. 
Uh, and I'm not just talking about you. I get up every morning, have to look in the mirror, uh, and I see there another person, just another person who finds it much easier to think that this is all there is and to keep what I have for myself and hold it tight rather than to value something else. It all seems to have a lot to do with living in the now and where you and I find our value and what gives us security. And so take a normal cross-section of Sydney, you know, uh, you might call it Emu Plains or Blacksland or Penrith, take your pick. Uh, We work, we borrow, we save, we spend and we spend. And we spend on our houses and our cars and on our kids' education and our holidays. We spend on investments and super and tech toys. We spend on uh, what we look like and our furniture and our clothes. We are one of the richest countries in the world and of the world's population, we're comfortably among the 1% richest and yet... Even we keep an eagle eye on our bank accounts and our house values and our super funds. Uh, The leadership, uh, people who make a living out of talking about leadership have an insight into how the world works where they say you count what you value. And if you're right, by the counting that we do, it's clear we value what what's been saved and what we own and the things we could own with what we've saved, so much so that it's as if that's what gives our life value. Someone has said, let's not kid ourselves, and he was talking to Christians and followers of Jesus as we are here today, we're not in danger of materialism. We are materialists. So today, Jesus gives us a warning, a warning of the grave danger of living that way, of thinking that way without him at the centre of the picture. Not only does he give us a warning, but he gives us a wonderful alternative as well. Beware of greed is the warning. Set your hearts on God, the wonderful alternative. So that's our outline for today. First, the danger. Jesus puts his finger on it when a man uh, came and asked him to sort out some trouble over a will. Have you ever watched a family tear itself apart over a will? It's not something that happens just occasionally, is it? Uh, There's a saying, where there's a will, there's a war. Uh, Anyway, this man asks Jesus to tell his brother, hey, get him to divide the family inheritance with me. And the, the more often you hear the conversations Jesus had with people, the more often you see he has this X-ray vision that cuts through uh, where he sees what's really going on, not just what's on the surface. And, and what he sees is there's nothing innocent or noble about the man's question. He sees he just wants the money. So what does Jesus do next? He doesn't just answer the man. He turns to the whole crowd and he says, verse 15, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Imagine 
Well, if Jesus were a doctor diagnosing a disease, the man before him is presented with the symptom of wanting more money. But he doesn't just treat the symptom, he goes for the disease. And the disease here, to think that life is made up of how many things you own. Whether we agree or not, that's Jesus' call. Left to our own devices and vices, people are basically materialists. If you can see it, touch it, own it, then that's real. And beyond that, they would say, is nothingness. So with the, that way of thinking as part and parcel of our human thinking, unless God brings a great change in us, it's no surprise that the more stuff you have, the thinking goes, the better uh, some time ago now, ANZ uh, had an ad where they, in the ad, they sort of life was pictured like a giant game of Monopoly. And the tagline at the end of the ad was, whoever has the most at the end wins. So Jesus, for his part, he introduces a third man, a rich man. He isn't real, his place is in the story, Jesus tells, but he could have just as easily been real, if not be you or me. Uh, it starts in verse 16. Uh, we read, Jesus told them a parable, uh, and it goes like this, there was a man who was rich already, this harv year's harvest comes along and it knocks his socks off. Uh, what's he going to do? There's more than he can store away. So he thinks out loud to himself, uh, Jesus pictures him speaking to his very own soul, to his inner being. Soul, my barns aren't big enough to hold all of this. I'll knock them down and build bigger ones. Nothing wrong with that. That's good management, isn't it? What's to criticise? Then he says to himself again, soul, we don't need to do any more. Yours is the good life. And that's where Jesus turns it around. As we read in verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And you know what? This man isn't unique, he's normal. And what makes him normal, he only pays attention to what he can see. And what he can own and the power that gives him to choose for himself and serve himself. It's so easy to live like we, uh, what we can see is all there is, to be blinkered to what's beyond us and only look at what's in front of us. But Jesus says, and this is Jesus after all, breaking into our world, he says, that is foolish. That is not the way to understand ourselves or value yourself and so God's judgment on the man is very very grave he is a fool a fool for not looking beyond what is right in front of him did you notice did you notice that what uh, the way everything he said uh, in that parable was about himself this is what I will do I will knock down my bones I will store my grain uh, People will tell you that there are two certainties in life. What are they? Death and taxes. But actually what Jesus shows here are there are three. Death, taxes and accountability. 
Jesus is totally opposed to the way of thinking that our lives are all about what we have, that what we can see and hear and smell and taste and touch, that that alone is ultimate reality, that that defines us, that life is made up of just material things. And when we hear it put like that because of the wonderful work of God in our own hearts, it kind of resonates with us too. It sort of puts my heart without God under the microscope. And death, if nothing else, death is a huge warning sign saying, it is so. And so God asks the man, who will have what you stored up for yourself? He certainly won't. You can't take it with you. Imagine you've heard the, that picture uh, spoken of, of you don't see uh, a, a, a removalist truck following a hearse at a funeral. Uh, and this is one electronic transfer that your bank uh, won't be able to put through. Jesus breaks into our world and lovingly gives us this warning. This is not, not the way to value yourself. So what really gives us value? How can we be confident and sure of who we are? How, how might we be measured in our value against other people? How can we hold our heads up high? The answer, Jesus says, is to find your value in how God views you. Set your heart, set your heart on him. That parable of Jesus becomes a springboard, uh, a springboard where he speaks to his disciples and sort of unfurls its implications. Uh, look what he goes on to say, uh, say in verse 22. Uh, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. Do not worry about your life. Uh, it's one thing to say that, but Jesus actually gives us the reason we don't need to be anxious about our life because the very, in the very saying of it, he shines a light on the fact is, is we feel that anxiousness about our life. But what he says instead is, the sovereign Lord God Almighty over creation, he cares for you and provides for you. As he provides what we'll eat, as he prepares what we'll wear, Jesus is saying that's the place to look, to measure up how valuable you are. Of course, uh, he takes a scene out of nature uh, as he did last week when we were uh, in the first part of chapter 12. Uh, the birds don't have to plough and reap and sow, but they get to eat. Uh, the flowers don't make their own clothes, but they're magnificently dressed. Uh, and the comparison Jesus makes is, how much more important are you to God? How much more important are you to God? So why is it we don't see it that way? Why do we value what we have? Why do we have to be warned about greed? 
And in that way, value ourselves by what we have rather than the way God made us and cares for us. Clearly, and this doesn't surprise you, I'm sure, we have a problem, a profound problem, uh, a problem that leads to self-centeredness but also arises from it. The man in Jesus' parable was a prime example. Uh, What was his way? I will do it my way. And that is the very essence of sin. Uh, Please, please don't ask at a funeral that I'm involved with to play Frank Sinatra singing, I did it my way. It's an attitude that turns our backs on God as the one who made us and continues to sustain us and our self-inflicted blindness. Like one of those fogs, you know, that we get here sometimes in winter, less so I'm told by the locals, but you you see them on the harbour as well. They'll put them on the news at night because it looks good. Uh, they, They come along. Every person in history is like someone who would rather live in the fog and under the delusion that God's not there than be answerable and accountable to him. But Jesus says it's a fool's choice because no matter how hard you wish for something different from what's real, if it's real, it doesn't change. And just as the man in the parable heard the voice of God call him to account, you fool, this very night your soul is demanded back from you. So every one of us will be held accountable before God. You see, and and this is a wonderful gift from God, Jesus brings clarity. He doesn't come vindictively. He doesn't come to throw his weight around. And he doesn't take any joy in people acting like the rich man in this parable. In fact, he's come to bring us the treasure that we need most of all. We don't need more money. We need peace with God. Uh, I've had these glasses for uh, 10 years now and I see some of <coughs> some others among you, pardon me, <coughs> are, uh, you know, touting them as well. I, I just went for a, an eye check, a regular eye check. Prevention is better than cure, I always say. When I sat down, George starts saying things to me like, ah, oh, you need to adjust the light to get it just right when you're reading at night. And let's see, he says, the text doesn't seem as sharp anymore or as black. And I'm like, yeah. And he says, uh, your eyes feel strained when you work on the computer. I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking, I didn't tell him any of this. How does he know this? And actually, he hasn't run any tests yet. Uh, But all he had done was look at my card and looked at my date of birth. Ah, it's the slippery slope into the grave, isn't it? And having uh, the tests that he was doing, they weren't to find out whether I needed glasses or not. It was just to see how bad the damage was. Uh, And when they made those glasses, uh, I've had a few since then, uh, all I could read the print in the book I was reading without complaining. I I knew a lot more about uh, my muesli that I was eating in the morning. Uh, And I found that my phone, it had this tessellated picture on the front that I hadn't even seen before. George brought me clarity. 
He showed me the problem and gave me the solution. Jesus brings an even greater clarity. He shows us the way we are by nature greedy and how we replace the true God who provides for us with things that we think we've provided for ourselves. And he reveals how the things we've been counting on for security will count for nothing in the day we have to give an account for our soul. In fact, he reveals the very essence of who we are, that our lives are not our own, but wonderfully on loan to us from God. And that's the very worst thing you can do with that is use it to abandon God. And so we don't need more money. We need peace with God, forgiveness for what we've done, a new way of viewing and valuing ourselves, a new wisdom for viewing and valuing our lives, and Jesus wonderfully is the one who brings it. How much does God care for you? What is the answer to that question? Jesus living as he did, dying as he did, rising as he did in him, we see the one who gives us value, not just when he made us, but when he died and rose to save us. And so gives us value as we live each day and values us despite what we have done or what we would might do, even as we've replaced him, our true security with the counterfeit security of stuff. Jesus brings clarity. He brings forgiveness and he brings freedom. And he does it by bringing us a changed heart. Have a listen to how Jesus wraps this up beginning from verse 29. Do not set your heart on what will you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will not never fail, where no thief comes near or no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we trust him as Lord, we don't need to jealously guard our security and keep adding to what we've got and indulging greed because we've entrusted ourselves to another, greater, able to provide under any circumstances and lovingly wanting to do so. And so Jesus here lifts our eyes from what's right in front of us and our blinkered view of what life is about and shows us life is not about what we can see but about how he sees us. Let me wrap up a few loose ends then before we finish. We could talk a lot more about this uh, but we'll just uh, touch on two. The first is Jesus is not saying that Material stuff is bad. 
uh, whether it's houses or cars or bank accounts or furniture, but it's how we so often view it that is foolish, that is wrong. He's not even saying you can't save for something in the future. Uh, But to first ask, why do we need it? Ask that question about work. Ask it about putting food on the table. And the answer is clear. That's the usual way God has chosen to provide our daily needs. But the second job or another house? The second loose end, we've been shown the clarity Jesus brings to our self-centeredness and greed. But what's the difference peace with God brings when we accept it? Not greed, but generosity. Jesus didn't condemn the rich man in the parable for being wealthy. He condemned him for losing sight of God and of others. Greed is as common as the air we breathe, and it is so because we are so wealthy. But when you're rich toward God, an attitude that's expressed by trusting God, it actually frees you to be generous to others, like seriously generous with your time and your money and your talents. Because now we know that our Father in heaven is meeting our deepest needs. We can draw from the well of what's been given to us and pour it generously and lavishly into the lives of others. For so many of us, we've already accepted the call of Jesus to be wise and not foolish. And here we have the test, the test, I guess, of whether we have been transformed. Are we generous? Are we thinking about the needs of others and willing to meet them? Physical needs, spiritual needs. Friends, store up for yourself treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I'll lead us in prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you again for the light of your word uh, spoken into our lives. Uh, Continue to light the way we pray that we might live each day treasuring Jesus and all that you have done through him. Walking in forgiveness for we confess that without your heavenly intervention and the work of your spirit we too are materialistic and greedy. Thank you that we can Rest and be comforted by your forgiveness and lead us, we pray, uh, to be grateful, to be generous and to turn away from greed. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.